Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 24. Zarena kept her eyes on Alistair and Joshua, squeezing her fist in frustration whenever a crowd of guests passed in front of them. The two men were leaning in close. Joshua's head was tilted toward Alistair, and Alistair rested his hand on Joshua's shoulder and smiled to himself whenever Joshua spoke. Very curious. Zarena knew quite a bit about Alistair. He was from an old British family. In the way of such families, they were more proud of their past than their present. But that had only made Alistair more interesting to her, and so she'd sent her whisperers out. They'd come back with stories about his career in MI6, about his absurd tales from his time spent abroad, about his preferences for sweet-faced young men who spent too much time poring over books. Young men, very much like Joshua Toms. Zarena approached the pair, Dom trailing alongside her. Alistair glanced up as she approached, and although he did his best to keep his expression flat, she saw a darkness pass over his features. A flicker, a shadow. She smiled brilliantly at him. Alistair, how are you? She cooed, and he held out his hands as if to embrace her as she rushed up to him. They kissed the air, once, twice, all the usual rituals. Wonderful, as always, Irena. Absolutely smashing party, by the way. Joshua had jerked away, his gaze fixed on the floor, cheeks tinged with pink. Naughty boy, Zarena thought, and she glanced at Dom, who seemed to have taken no notice of it. Of course, men like him never saw the obvious. Elister, I'd like you to meet the new arrival at the American Embassy, Dominic Alvarez. Oh, yes, said Alistair striding forward, not missing a beat. I've heard about you. Have you now? Dom wasn't so keen to employ his charm on Alistair, it seemed. And Zarena wondered if this was because he knew of Alistair's preferences after all, or because Alistair was British, or both. An American like Dom? He probably thought the two were interchangeable. 
Nothing but good things, old boy. No need to worry. Lines crinkled around Alistair's eyes. It wasn't exactly a smile. I know you and Joshua already know each other. Dom nodded at Joshua, who had managed to collect himself from his earlier embarrassment. Dom, Joshua said. Are you enjoying the party? Sure. Dom gave a shrug, then glanced at Zarena. Can't complain about the company. Zarena laughed and swatted at him. She knew her cues. Well, Dom, I was just telling Josh about an old colleague of mine back in London. I think you'll like this one. And he launched into his story, one Zarena had heard at least twice before, about an old Eton chum of Alistair's who had gone on to become an important figure in British intelligence. Zarena used the story as an opportunity to study Joshua, who was shifting his weight from foot to foot, brushing at his hair, giving a strained smile at the droll moments in Alistair's story. Joshua, Joshua, Zarena chided him silently. You're a better spy than that. It amused her, seeing his discomfort. The party was running smoothly, like all her parties, all tasteful and glamorous and very, very dull. But Joshua and Alistair had added a wrinkle to its glossy finish, an intriguing imperfection. Standing so close together at a party like this, practically flirting for all to see, they should have known better. Alistair finished his story on the same ridiculous note he always did. And then we splashed down into the Thames. Dom let out a roaring laugh and slapped Alistair on the back. And that's why you never trust a German, Dom said, which made Alistair laugh in turn. Joshua smiled too, a little calmer than he had been before. The music swelled then. Dance of the hours. <laughs> ah, here was Zarena's chance to make a little trouble, to scratch at that imperfection and see what she could find underneath. She slipped her arm in Dom's and purred in his ear. Oh, would you dance with me, darling? I've always loved this song. Dom smiled down at her, looking pleased with himself. Well, if you've always loved this song. They spun away from Alistair and Joshua and into the whirlpool of dancers. Dom straightened his spine, lifted Zarena's hand, pressed his palm into the small of her back. They swirled off, moving in slow, elegant strides. You're a talented dancer, Zarena told Dom. Her skirt flared out behind her, a silver gleam in the lights. My parents are Cuban, he said. You can thank them. Cuba, Zarena smiled. And yet you work for the Americans. I am American, sweetheart. He led her into a turn. She smiled at him across the sudden distance. Of course, she said. He pulled her back to him. I see Alistair and Joshua are getting along quite well. She pressed herself into him, tilting her head so that she was murmuring into his ear. It's always gratifying to see that sort of interagency cooperation. Sure. They swooped around in time with the music, 
with the other dancers. The trajectory of the dance was bringing them around to Alistair and Joshua again. Alistair said something to make Joshua laugh, and he peered up at Alistair, his eyes shining. There they are, Zarena said. Britain and the United States are working very closely together, don't you think? Dom gazed across the room. His brow wrinkled, his mouth worked into a frown. Zarena knew he saw it. They should be careful, she said, watching Dom as she spoke. Even allies can get too close, don't you think? Dom gave a grunt of disapproval. <laughs> yeah. He swung her around into the main current. Alistair and Joshua disappeared behind a wall of guests. Zarena let herself fall into the dance, even as Dom became inattentive, his steps too short and off rhythm. A seed planted then. Zarena didn't know what it would grow into, but that was the joy of gardening, wasn't it? Laying future plants in the soil, coaxing them out with water and sun, and waiting, watching, as seeds became a work of art. The music died, and Dom and Zarena stepped away from each other. Dom pushed his hair back, gave her a little smile. He was distracted. Good. Zarena had nothing personal against Alistair or Joshua, but she never let an opportunity go unused. It's been fun, Dom said, but I should make some of the rounds myself. He gave her a little salute. You're a hell of a dancer. Zarena watched him go. He didn't walk over to Joshua and Alistair, and she wasn't certain with whom he hoped to speak. She lost him in the crowd before she got the chance to see. And then she caught sight of Tanya again, weaving her way through the crowd as she spoke to one of the Russian attaches, Tanya and her radio. Zarena still had mischief to sow tonight. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Six. Jordan swept the remains of a protection charm into a haphazard pile near the door. Then she leaned against her broom and surveyed the bar, taking in the day's handiwork. She had kept Bar Vaudenar shuttered after the morning's battle. The loss of a day's income was a fair trade for keeping the flame out. She had spent all evening reinforcing her protection charms. Down in her spell room, she'd built new ones out of scraps of string and broken twigs and dried vines. She'd sat with her eyes closed on top of the confluence, feeling its energy vibrating through her as she hummed and chanted until the magic rubbed her voice raw. She had been weak from the fight, the muscles in her body trembling from the strain, but she forced herself to finish the spells anyway. If the flame were willing to fight like that, she had a very serious problem on her hands. Jordan picked up the dustpan and swept the charm dust into it. Half her old protection charms had been shattered by the flame's magic as the men had tried to force their way in, and the detritus lay scattered around the bar, ash and dust and burnt up chunks of metal. As exhausted as she was, Jordan didn't want to stop cleaning. The rote mechanics of sweeping and dusting and wiping cleared the way for more complex thoughts. She'd sleep later. Right now, she needed to figure out what the flame wanted. Jordan moved around the tables, gripping the broom tight. What could they possibly be planning? And did the ice know about it yet? Because once they learned, they'd be sniffing around her bar too, trying to get at the confluence. This space had been in Jordan's family for decades, and she'd always pretended that she'd turned it into a bar solely for her own purposes, her own access to magic. A renegade practitioner like herself needed all the assistance she could get. But really, she had moved in because she wanted to keep them away from it. The flame. And the ice, too. They thought they were so different, flame and ice. Enemies always do. The Soviets and the West, they were the same. They looked at each other and saw monsters. They looked at themselves and saw men. But Jordan stood on the outside and knew them each for both monsters and men. The good and the bad bleeding together. They were only villains and heroes in their own stories. Jordan swept more furiously, the dust billowing up into clouds. She could feel the ley lines buzzing beneath her feet, and she remembered the first time she had ever experienced the power of a ley line. She had been a little girl, living in a big house in the middle of Tehran. The courtyard had been filled with flowers that loved the heat. There had been servants, a maid who brought her rose water and ice cubes in the sweltering afternoons. Jordan's parents were important people with important friends. 
she hardly saw them. But then, one evening, the maid had put Jordan in a silky dress and told her she was going out with her mother. The ley line had been in the desert, running parallel to the city. It felt like starlight settling over Jordan's skin, a thrumming, silvery prickle. Her mother had crouched down beside her and said in a low voice, the voice Jordan would later hear her using for spells and incantations, this is our family's legacy. Jordan hadn't understood at the time. She thought her mother was referring to the strange, prickling energy. Later, though, she learned what her mother had really meant. Neutrality. The in-between places, her family believed, were the most honest, the most true. They created the best magic. Someone knocked on the front door of the bar, dragging Jordan out of her reverie. She shook her head, loosened her grip on the broom handle. She was too wrung out for this. That was the cost of neutrality. She'd learned in the years since she first set eyes on that ley line. It was much more tiring working on your own. The knocking came again, a little louder, a little more insistent. Jordan sighed. We're closed, she shouted. Come back tomorrow. She held her breath listening. Her protection charms were all still and silent around her, but she stayed alert, aware of the potential for danger. Had the visitor left? Jordan glanced at the clock, tick-tocking above the bar, almost one in the morning. Jordan picked up the broom. She really should stop for the night, sleep. She'd have a better sense of what the flame was after in the morning. Over at the door, something snapped like a piece of wood breaking in half. Jordan's exhaustion vanished in a flood of adrenaline. She let the broom fall with a loud cracking bang and darted behind the bar. She still had some charms in her cache there, weak ones, but they would do. The doorknob turned, the door sprang open. The charms rippled as if disturbed by a breeze, but there was no overwhelming force of magic like Jordan had felt this morning. I told you, Jordan shouted, squeezing one charm in her hand, fingers poised to snap it in half for its activation. We're closed. Zarena Polnock breezed through the door and blessed Jordan with a smile as cold and shimmering as a frozen lake. Jordan, she purred, surely you can make an exception for me. Jordan didn't move. She didn't break the charm, just watched as Zarena strolled into the bar. She was dressed for a party, her long silver gown trailing behind her, the jewels at her throat blinking in the bar's dim light. Her gaze fell on the fallen broom, the piles of ruined charms. I heard you had a bit of trouble earlier. She nudged the broom with the pointed toe of her shoe. Some delinquents saw fit to bother you. She lifted her gaze and caught Jordan's eye. I know you have a charm behind that counter, Jordan. Don't bother activating it. I have my own charms tonight. And she fingered her necklace, which sent out a pulse of energy through the room. The ley lines flared. Jordan dropped her charm to the floor. What do you want? 
Jordan hissed. I already told your two dogs no. Yes, you burned poor Ivan quite badly. Zarena clucked her tongue and shook her head. Then she pulled one of the chairs off the closest table and sank down into it. I'll have a sidecar, if it's not too much trouble. She wrapped the necklace around one finger. Energy rumbled. We're closed. Jordan's heart thudded against her ribcage. The flame were desperate. A fight outside, and now Zarena Polnock herself in the flesh, the ambassador's wife and the flame's mistress. You can still fix me a cocktail. It was not a request. I'm not here to fight. I want to speak to you, that's all. She looked up, eyes glinting. Jordan pulled a bottle of brandy from the shelf. Getting Zarena her drink would be the fastest way to get her out of here. That, Jordan knew from experience. Extra lemon, Jordan said. Ah, you know me too well. Jordan added the lemon juice, rattled the shaker, and poured the drink. The motions came easily, a distraction from the thudding in her chest. She poured herself a glass of brandy as well, then carried both drinks over to the table where Zarena sat watching her. Perfect, Zarena said as she reached for her glass. I hear the party tonight, you know. One of those diplomatic circuit things, dreadfully boring. She took a sip. Jordan watched her warily, fingers tight around her glass. But I couldn't have a sidecar there. I had to remain alert. She smiled over her drink. Why are you here? Jordan asked. Let's finish our drinks before we talk business, Zarena said. No. Jordan took a long gulp of her brandy and slammed the half-empty glass on the table. Zarena didn't even flinch, just gazed at her with an expression like a winter night, cold and clear and unfathomable. I've had a long day, Zarena. I don't want to fight you, but I will. Jordan jerked her chin toward the front door. I took out your two boys earlier, and I can take you out too. Don't test me. Zarena laughed. There was no mirth behind it, though, and the sound stabbed at Jordan's chest. I'm not here to fight, Jordan. My God, that's what people like Ivan and Edward are for, are they not? Jordan drained the rest of her glass. The alcohol burned in her belly. It's true that my organization, Zarena stressed the word, would like access to your bar. It's selfish of you, keeping all this power to yourself. It's a family property, Jordan said. I'm not handing it over to the highest bidder. Zarena sipped her sidecar. All we want is access. You occupy a strange place in our war. There's no reason for you to deny us help. There's no reason to offer aid, Jordan snapped. If the ice came sniffing around, I wouldn't let them have it either. Zarena narrowed her eyes at the mention of the ice. Yes, 
she said slowly. I suspected as much. It still doesn't help me. Jordan shrugged. She eyed Zarina's drink, not even half empty. She hated this kind of shit, this waiting and watching, this spy nonsense. This was Gabe's realm, not hers. At any rate, Zarina said, lifting her glass to her lips, although she did not drink. I'm not here on behalf of my organization. Jordan's body went tense. Then why, it's a personal matter. Zarena set her glass down. Although I admit, I did want to see what sort of magic you used on poor Ivan and Edward. Phosphorus and platinum, hmm, a classic. Why the fuck are you here? Zarena sighed and arranged her hands in her lap. I need a charm, a small thing, nothing you haven't sold a thousand times over. Which one? Zarena and her stratagems. Jordan was sure that's what this was, some kind of trick, some elaborate underhanded way of getting to the confluence under the bar. A source charm. Zarena leaned back in her chair. One of the Russian officers has access to a device that I suspect is magical. I want to see who created it. Jordan softened a little. This wasn't a wholly unreasonable request, and rooting around for magic in the KGB had always been one of Zarena's hobbies. Moreover, a charm like the one Zarena wanted was difficult to create without a strong power source which Jordan had access to, and the Prague Flame did not. Such charms took more than a month to make, even with the help of the ley lines, but Jordan kept a stash of them in her office. They were a common enough request that on the new moon, she usually set aside time to start the process of creating one. If she sold Zarena her charm, she could get the woman out of her bar that much sooner. Even if she was telling the truth and not here on flame business, Jordan didn't like her hanging around. You could never know for sure what Zarena was up to. All right, Jordan said. If I sell you one of these charms, will you get the hell out of my bar? Where's that bar Vodnar hospitality I hear so much about? Jordan glared at her. Fine. Zarena gave a bored shrug and took a drink. I'll leave, just as soon as I have the charm. She appraised Jordan for a moment, looking thoughtful. But Jordan, and I say this as an admirer of your work, you really ought to consider the flame's offer. <laughs> offer, Jordan laughed. What offer? You sent a couple of toffs to my front door? armed with magical weapons. Serena didn't say anything. Jordan sighed, in frustration, in anger, in fear. She shoved away from the table and stood up. Wait here. Jordan didn't want to let Serena anywhere near the supplies in her office. If you touch anything while I'm gone, I will know. I would never. Jordan stumbled into the cool, dark hallway. Her palms were slick with sweat. She hadn't noticed until she was alone, away from Zarena. 
As she made her way down to the basement, she was painfully aware of Zarena sitting overhead, sipping her sidecar and scheming. Jordan had no doubt that this source charm was tied in somehow to the flame's overarching plans. She had no doubt that when she handed the source charm over to Zarena, she would be aiding the flame in some way. Not as much as if she gave them access to the ley lines, but enough that her tenuous position of neutrality would wobble and shift, leaning toward the fire. She hoped she was making the right decision. The source charms were in a cabinet, locked and enchanted. Jordan pulled them out and picked them up one by one, feeling the ley lines thrum beneath her feet. Some of the charms were weaker than others, and when she found the weakest one, she dropped it into her pocket and shoved the basket of charms back into the cabinet. Then she made her way up the stairs. Zarena waited where Jordan had left her. Her tumbler was empty. She stood up as Jordan approached, one of her arctic smiles frozen across her face. Here's your charm. Jordan tossed it into the air between them. Zarena didn't even blink. She caught it easily and turned it over in her palm. Thank you. Zarena looked up, and Jordan felt a sharp pang of fear when Zarena's eyes met with hers. She looked away, her breath short. You'll find your payment on the table, Zarena said. Seventy-five should be enough, yes? It's fine. Footsteps, high heels clicking across the wooden floors. Jordan looked back over as Zarena stalked out of the bar, her long back taut and straight as a bowstring beneath the silver of her dress. She pulled the door open. Jordan watched, holding her breath. And then Zarena stepped outside, vanishing into the night. Jordan let out a long exhalation, slumping down at the table where Zarena had been sitting. A stack of bills sat neatly beside the empty glass. Jordan picked them up and ran her thumb along the edges, although she didn't bother to count. She dropped the bills with a sigh and stared at the door. She could feel the power of her charms chiming around her, could feel the strength of the ley lines bubbling beneath her feet. They were calm right now, just shimmering a little, waiting to be plucked, waiting for the music of enchantment to be unleashed into the world. And Jordan was terribly afraid it would be the flame's eager fingers picking those strings. You're listening to The Witch You Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. 
The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Keo. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.